today on Ag News Daily. I would say the most challenging thing I'm dealing with right now is... listeners december 29th gosh we're so close to the end of the year tanner winterhoff and delaney howell here together to bring you some great headlines and another great conversation for the day delaney are you enjoying our little warm-up that we've had here yeah i'm liking it i was going to ask you today since we are so close to the end of the year are you a new year's resolution person I am not, truly. Uh, This year, though, there's going to be quite a bit of focus on uh, some development goals of mine, but not necessarily a resolution person. Are you, Delaney? No, I am not really a resolution person, but I am a goal setter. So I've set like my 2023 goals, looked at my 2022 goals. I didn't get all of them done, but I did get some of them done. So. Well, there you go. Some of those can carry on over into the next year. I wonder if our listeners are resolution people. I know that resolutions themselves don't usually come with a high conversion rate, but if you do get the goals written down, plastered, and you share them with some people, usually you can uh, be held a little bit more accountable. That's true. That's true. I like to read them to my husband, although I don't know if he cares. I try to make him write this (laughs) down and he's not really into that, but I'm definitely a goal setter person, not a resolution person. I could, based upon his uh, public display of of dismay this last week, it looks like his one of his goals might not be to ever go back to a famous wing restaurant. Yes, yes, that's true. <laughs> well, listeners, if you're going to go and get yourself some wings, you might want to watch out for a winter storm watch. If you live in Colorado, Nebraska, South Dakota, Minnesota area, it's a pretty narrow brand Delaney that is stretching across those states just for today. Underneath those warnings, some areas could get as much of five inches of snow. But then to piggyback on the reporting you put about a potentially cold February, uh, DTN is continuing to put their long-range forecast together. And it looks like January will be much more mild than we have had here in December. The main reason, listeners, is the polar vortex will stay hosted closer to the North Pole and will push some cold there into the Siberian area, which would cause some Russian Russian residents to be extremely cold. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of effect that takes on the Russian and Ukrainian war, as maybe some parts of their forces will become immobilized due to the extreme cold hitting their area. But based upon jet stream circles and what DTN is saying, Delaney, they also back up your comments about the cold air could return to North America in the later part of January, first part of February. So not something for us to look forward to, unfortunately. No, it certainly won't be. But uh, New Year's Eve, yeah, could be an interesting weather pattern for folks as we head into the new year, Tanner. But starting in the new year, we'll also see some different requirements here required from the United States as travel from China will be reopening. They're saying now that the U.S. will require a negative COVID test for anyone coming from China starting January 15th. This is for both U.S. and non-U.S. citizens as they're trying to continue to monitor China's reopening there, Tanner. Uh, Could be an interesting, I don't know if you have any upcoming travel plans to China, Tanner, but just be aware, you'll have to have a negative COVID test. No, not to China. We will be hitting up a lot of the trade shows this winter, almost like we're on tour, it feels like, Delaney, but we'll be out and about. So make sure you come and see us. Also, then I got some good mixed news in the red meat market. 
All red meat production was up slightly in November, which is really good according to the USDA. It looks like both beef and pork increased on a month-to-month basis, but overall on a year-to-year basis, pork is down versus those numbers compared to 2021. When you look at commercial beef production last month, 2.4 billion up from 2.40, so 2.42 up from 2.40, but last year compared to a 2.39 billion pounds of beef was produced. Pork, like we said, rose from month over month to 2.35 billion up from 2.33. Of course though, as I teased, that was down from uh, this time last year. When you look at total production, boxed beef uh, is going to continue to set a higher level trending through the end of 2022. Going to eclipse by nearly 500 million pounds. So a large, large push there. However, when you look at commercial pork production, their total figures are looking at 24.764 billion pounds down from 25 0.27. So about a half a billion up for beef and a half a billion down for pork. So it'll be interesting to continue to watch those markets. Another good question for us to ask next week. Oh, not next week. On our next Market Monday, the first one in January of 23. That's right. Yes. Next week we'll be off for New Year's Eve as well as the markets will also be off. But Tanner, I've got a little bit of an additional add on there to your story. Uh, wholesale beef prices have has have also performed exceptionally well over the past few weeks as we've seen choice beef cutouts spiked over the past week. On Tuesday, we saw choice boxed beef cutouts printed at $280 per hundredweight or about $8 per pound higher than the previous trading day. And we're continuing to see this extreme weather impact, uh, especially the cattle markets, according to um, Alton Kalo, who's with the Steiner Consulting Group, he said that extremely cold negative impacts, negatively impacts cattle and feedlots as the animals burn more energy to survive. And we've yet to see the full effect of this and could see more impact in the cattle markets in January as that extreme weather is expected to continue. But feed yards are also more current than they were a year ago compared to where we were December 1st of 2021. And so that certainly could help pull cattle ahead here a little bit as well as we start to see potentially some smaller cattle on feed numbers, Tanner. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one to monitor. I know some of the customers that I work with have been shipping cattle a little bit lighter weights just due to requests and some good market pricing. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of trends that has going into the next year. Well, it looks like Russia got busy throwing some more military firepower at Ukraine this week. Russia launched a new round of missile strikes aimed at targets across Ukraine Thursday. It looks like Ukrainian presidents are still trying to battle repairing their power source due to power outages. Ukraine's armed forces said 69 missiles were fired by Russia. 54 of them, however, were downed by anti-air defense coming from Ukrainian forces. The enemy keeps resorting to missile terror against our peaceful country. It looks like Kiev had a blast during their morning rush hour. A large portion of their population, however, was sheltered underground and under large solid structures. Uh, They shot down all 16 missiles that were fired at the city of Kiev. 
So only damage there came from debris after those missiles were destroyed. Uh, the leadership in Ukraine is urging their residents to charge their cell phones and other devices and make sure that they maintain their clean water supply. It looks like Odessa region had 21 rockets sent that direction, all shot down as well. So it looks like Ukrainian defense systems are working for maintaining security in their key areas. However, like stated, out of the 69 missiles, there were still 15 of them that made landfall. So it'll be interesting to see, as we were warned earlier this week, that pushing the new year, Russia plans to up their effect and their level of engagement. And we will continue to report to see how that affects the Ukrainian resident. Yeah. And I wanted to follow up on a story I reported on yesterday, Tanner, about the insurers of the insurers no longer going to be covering cargo ships going in and out of the Black Sea port. And we've got a little bit more insight into that this morning, because as I mentioned, those insurance companies providing insurance to the companies providing insurance to the cargo ships will no longer be providing that policy as of January 1st. And so basically these cargo ship insurance companies have a couple of options. The reinsurance companies declared they're no longer offering coverage. And that makes up about 90% of the world's ocean going ships, Tanner. So quite a large chunk of those reinsurance companies will not be offering policies to insurers in the Black Sea port region. So now basically they have a couple of options. They can either go uninsured, which it sounds like a lot of them will do, and offers an extremely high uh, cost risk for those grain shippers, or they can try to go under a private label or a different type of insurance policy. But either way, a lot of analysts are saying that the freight costs are going to go up and grain flow from that area is likely going to take the risk and could see it really impact people's ability or willingness to do business buying grain and buying commodities out of the Black Sea region simply because the cost of freight is going to push Ukraine out of a competitive marketplace. Yeah, that is going to you know potentially put a real bottleneck in the grain coming from that area. And of course, that will be traded, obviously, as we continue to monitor that. Last piece I have for today, Delaney, uh, reported a little bit on a manure fine earlier this week. We have another fine coming out of the DNR. So it looks like there's some emphasis coming from the DNR as relates to manure management. Two northern Iowa hog confinement owners applied manure from their facilities without proper certifications over an extended period of time. So Dan and Mike Stodd own and operate four animal confinements in that area, but the allegations were only related to two of their facilities having a routine inspection. This inspection happened in earlier 2022, and they were stated to have uh, applied confinement manure on their lands without proper certification for manure application. The DNR records show that between the 12 years of 2009 to 2021, they lacked that certification. The Stots each applied manure from their facilities for five of those 12 years when it was not hired by custom applicators. So DNR is continuing to monitor this process. They also noted that there were deficiencies in the manure management plans, which are meant to avoid the overapplication of manure. So they are now re relegated to pay a six thousand dollar fine 
And if they want to continue to own these two sites, they will have to continue to keep up their manure application certification, as well as bring their manure management plan up to date, which could include additional fees. So uh, the DNR, again, is setting an example of producers here within the state of Iowa. And if you, this might be a reminder, if you have livestock, maybe you should check on the status of your plan and look for some continuing ed classes to get recertified this winter. Well, Tanner, I tell you what, I am all out of news for today. But aside from markets, what about you? That's what I've got for the day. Let's get into some markets. All right. Well, as we turn our attention here over into the markets here in the mid-morning session, we are seeing some mixed trade in the grain markets here. March corn up, excuse me, March corn down two and three quarters cents, trading right at the 680 mark. New crop corn is trading right at that 611 mark here, down about three quarters of a cent here in mid-morning. January soybeans up six pennies on the day at 512 and a half. No new beans down almost a whole dollar compared to old crop, trading right at 1415, up three and a half cents on the day. Hard red winter wheat is down big today as the March contract is down about 14 cents on the morning at 880, excuse me, 868. And as we take a look at the livestock markets here today, we are seeing mostly green across the screen as the February live cattle contract is up 20 pennies at a buck 58. January feeders up 42 and a half cents at 183.90. And February lean hogs only commodity markets pushing lower here in the protein market down a dollar 35 at 89.45. Tanner, without further ado, let's turn it over to a conversation with Kevin Jensen of Jensen Ucut Christmas Tree Farms. My name is Jennifer Holiday here, and right now I have Kevin Jensen on the air with me. Kevin is the owner-operator of Jensen Do You Cut Christmas Tree Farm. How are you doing today, Kevin? Doing pretty good, Jennifer. <laughs> That's great to hear. I'm sure you're glad to be done with a really busy season after um, Christmas just got over and the New Year's coming around. Yeah, it's always good to get through the busy time of year for us. I believe that. And so just jumping right in, you are the owner operator of this Christmas tree farm. How did you get into this business? I was born into it. My father and my grandfather started um, wholesaling Christmas trees back in the late 70s. And I was born in 85. So I was kind of molded into it. And back in those days, we had a little over 100 acres in production, and uh, we're located in Western Washington. We had a um, tree lot south of Los Angeles, so we would ship most of our trees down to L.A. Um, so that's kind of how we got started in the Christmas tree business. Wow, so it just kind of has gotten passed down through the family generations then, right? Yes, it's and morphed I- and changed a bit over the years, um, but yeah. So what are some of those changes that you've made as the times have evolved with the business since it's gotten passed over to you? Well, the Christmas tree business as a whole in the U.S. went in a big slump in the 2000s. Uh, There was a massive overproduction. And at that time, it definitely affected us as well. We sold the tree lot in L.A. and we kind of reined in um the acres and production and reduced it by a lot 
Um, and then at that time we started uh, opening up for a U-cut so folks can come out onto the farm and cut their own tree. <clears throat> and um, that's where we're at. That's basically where we're positioned today, utilizing the kind of the agritourism theme with uh, families wanting to come out and experience uh, the farm, get their boots dirty, go down and cut their tree, um, get their pictures taken and all that stuff. So, Well, that sounds really cool. I guess growing up in um, the fa- my family, we have never had a real Christmas tree. So I guess I've never gotten to experience something like that before. But I'm sure it's great for people, whether they've grown up on a farm or are just fresh out of the boat to agriculture to be able to get to experience something like that. Absolutely. And um, photographers are really utilizing the farms uh, for their mini sessions now. Uh, So we've got uh, half a dozen local photographers that come out before we open the tree farm. They set up actually in the tree fields. They do all their mini sessions and then folks will have uh, their family photos ready to go for their Christmas cards. And then going more specifically into the trees, what species of trees do you raise to be able to sell to your customers? So currently we market Douglas fir, grand fir, and noble fir. Those are the three main trees that um, are ranging from seedling to marketable trees. I also have uh, Nordman fir planted. Uh, They're not to marketable size yet. But that'll be the fourth species coming online here in a few years. Going off of what you just said in a few years, um, growing trees is a very different crop to grow compared to corn or soybeans or anything else of that sort since the growing season is so long in many years. I hear it's about seven years for some trees. So how do you plan out for that for different seasons and what are the growing time lengths? Yeah, it's very challenging. When we're planting a field, um, depending on the species, we may not harvest a crop off of that field for 8 to 12, maybe even 15 years. So, I mean, you're almost <clears throat> you're almost close to a generational change before you're actually cutting trees off that field. So there is a significant amount of um, long-term guessing and long-term work that goes into you know, what's the market doing? What do people want right now? What do we think people will want in 10 to 15 years? Um, and and that is a very challenging part of the business. So yeah, the, the Doug fir, the Douglas fir, they will typically grow close to a foot a year. So if your marketable tree is seven or eight feet, then yeah, you're right on the money with seven to eight years. Uh, however, the noble and the grand fir grow slower. So our nobles grow about six inches a year. Um, so you're double that time. So to get an eight foot noble, you're looking, you know, 14, 15 year old tree. Wow. That is crazy to think about, which means when you took over the family business, you were taking over work that your father or grandfather probably put in years before you then. Yeah, so my my dad unexpectedly passed away a year and a half ago from a massive heart attack on the farm. So we, it, my dad always took care of the trees. We have a large cattle operation. We run several several hundred head of cattle and and direct market beef and pork and lamb. So 
I've kind of been managing that side of the farm. I always help with the Christmas trees. My, my dad was marketing. And so when dad passed away, it kind of got thrown in my lap. So I had to figure out how to deal with Christmas trees pretty quick. And as far as managing what to plant, when to plant, you know, and all that stuff. So um, I'm a couple seasons into it now. So we got a pretty good foothold in what we're doing now. But um, yeah, it's, it's very challenging. Uh, lots of, lots of um issues to deal with uh pest pressure weather all that stuff i would say the most challenging thing i'm dealing with right now is we are seeing a change in the last five to ten years we're now we used to always get some summer rain you know every 30 40 days we would get you know like a good rain where you get like an inch of rain um and we haven't had that we don't get that anymore so the spigot turns off usually by the 4th of July. And like last year, I think it was July 2nd, we got our last rain and it never rained again until October. So these seedlings that we plant in the wintertime, we're planting here pretty soon. They, they can't survive without irrigation, but no, nobody has irrigation for Christmas trees here. They've always been a dry land crop because it was never needed. Right. Um, we just had to get them through the summer and random rains would do it. So, so my, my challenge now is I don't have irrigation water rights where I have my Christmas trees. So we're trying to figure out now, you know, should we move, should we change species that are going to be more drought tolerant? Do we change the times when we plant? Um, and, and that's a whole nother host of issues with that because, we're not the only ones, you know, so you plant, you know, you plant these seedlings and then you lose half of them. Well, that sucks because you have investment in that. But the biggest issue is now you've lost trees. You know what I mean? Like every year you have different sized trees. Well, now you have a hole because one year you don't have any trees. So like all of a sudden you'll have like two or three foot trees and then you'll have like seven or eight foot trees. So you don't really have that balance. And so that's what we're like trying to figure out what to do with right now and how to manage it. That that's definitely our biggest issue. The other problem is everybody is dealing with this. You know, it's it's all over Western Washington and Western Oregon. So there's only so many nurseries. So everybody's fighting for the same seedlings. You know, I'm going and I'm trying to get seedlings against like Warehouser because they're losing seedlings in their clear cuts and their timberlands. So there's only so many seedlings. So I have to, I have to put, I have to purchase my seedlings two and a half years in advance. So I've already bought seedlings for like 24, 25. So how do you, how do you even plan for what you need? (laughs) Well, it sounds like you are getting a pretty good hang of it. You are very knowledgeable and have shared a lot of information today that I have never thought of before. Well, thank you. Absolutely. And I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to join us today as well. Absolutely. Anytime. Well, Tanner, I think Jennifer did a great job tackling that interview by herself. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good one. We threw it right into the flames. You know, it's a baptism by fire when you join (laughs) the Agnews Daily Podcast. 
I agree. She did a great job and we're looking forward to having her help us line up and chat with more great guests here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. But we've got a couple of great guests coming up here to finish this week and next week. And reminder, folks, we will be off for Monday, just like the commodity markets will be closed. So tomorrow will be our last episode, Tanner, of 2022. That's right. We are excited to send the year out with a bang. Listeners, come and find us. But for today, what do you say? Should let the listeners go. Let's let them go. 